Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. John Schmelk, Jeff Fiegel's with you. We appreciate you being with us. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, which was really a good one. We talked to Matt Manicharian, former NFL scout, and then Paul and I kind of recouped where we are about three weeks before the start of the NFL draft, just kind of seeing where we are. A couple things, Jeff. Uh, first of all, how are you? Staying safe? Good. How's the family? Everybody good? Everybody's good. Thank you. Just uh, trying to adhere to these rules, and I, I can't stress it enough, just like everybody else's. Stay home, you know, for, for us and for most of the other people that are on the front lines because we got to stop this stuff. Yeah, so exactly. Stay home. Yeah, 100%, Jeff, and the better we do at it now, the quicker we can get back to normal, the quicker the economy can get going, and the better chance. Um, and, you know, this was some talk over the weekend where they are planning to start the NFL season on time. Yeah. Well, the better we do with this the better shot we have of starting the NFL season on time. No one knows what the world's going to look like in four months, but you have to plan for it, and that is what the NFL is going to do. So, yep. guys, be safe, be careful, You know, socially isolate, socially distance, do whatever you need to do, and uh, we can all kind of get through this together. And that kind of brings us, Jeff, um, to where I want to go because – we got a couple of uh, tweets coming in here I want to get to and a couple questions. Um, first things first, if you do want to submit questions to Big Blue Kickoff Live and you're not on Twitter, there is a way to do it. It's actually pretty simple. You go to Giants.com slash podcast slash BBK questions. And again, it's Giants.com slash podcast slash BBK questions. And there's a form there that you can fill out. You can check it out. And you can send your questions in, and we will read them on the air. And we've been getting some very good questions in. We have a document that all of us have. We update the questions. We check them out. And we have some really good questions coming in. We will get to some of those questions as the show moves on. And you can also, if you're on Twitter, send your questions in to any of the replies to any of the shows that we post up there. We all tweet out the shows every day. Or you can just send them in to hashtag GiantsChat or to any of our Twitters, you know, at Jeff Eagles, at John Schmelk, at... Paul Dottino at Lance Meadow, and you can um, send in your questions that way. But, Jeff, before we get going, I just want to read something that somebody sent. And I usually don't like to do this because, you know, people say nice things to us occasionally online. It's usually mean and nasty, but sometimes it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't like to retweet them. I like to reply personally and say thank you for this. But I, I did want to read this because this question came in on the form. And, you know, you have to go to a website and fill something out, so there's some effort involved. So I want to read this one because uh, Phil and Trenton sent this in. And I'll get to more of the actual football questions in a sec. And Phil and Trenton wrote in, Hey guys, I don't really have a question, but I just wanted to send you all a sincere thank you for your excellent coverage of the team. Even in these times, we've been provided with the daily show. For me personally, it's something that I really look forward to. So much of social media is filled with negative commentary. I just wanted to make sure that you guys realize that you are appreciated. You guys all do a great job and really brighten an hour of my day. Ooh, wow, that's good. I just want to say thank you because, uh, look, yeah. Phil, here's the, here's the thing. We just got our numbers in for March. We literally, maybe in the history of Giants.com, had our best audio month um, <laughs> that we've ever nice. had. And uh, the podcast downloads jumped more than 10% as well. We're right near the top of the league, and that's because of you guys out there. Yep. And we enjoy doing this. I know it gives me an hour to really not think about all this other stuff that's going on and just have fun with Jeff and Paul and Lance. I yeah. know I appreciate that, and I want to give Jeff a chance to say the same. There's no question. And listen, you know what? You guys, uh, as much as we, you appreciate us, we appreciate you. I know we can't, uh, we're not on TV, but I know there's a listeners out there and the questions. 
Um, it makes our day go by too. We look forward to, um, I'm on twice a week, so I look forward to these hours that I'm able to spend some time with all of the guys here. And, and John had mentioned Paul and Lance and John. Uh, it's so much fun for me too. And I look forward to it. And we love to answer your questions and get to some of the good things to talk about. And I think that in the today's world, if we can just open that up for you guys and, and give you an hour of peace just to kind of to talk a little Giants football and, and what's coming up, it's good for all of us. It's good for the soul. It's good for everybody. And we appreciate it. And thank you guys so much too. To quote Maui from Moana, and all your dads know where I'm coming from, thank you. <laughs> And you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, and you're welcome. Yes, yes, and by the way, and this should we we should also do this because we have not done this yet. To all the people out there, and we're happy to give you guys an hour of entertainment every day as much as we can. But there are other people out there that are still working that are doing much more important jobs. Yeah. Obviously, you have the medical professionals, the doctors, and the nurses at the front lines. They're number one. But then, folks, you have the other people too. The people that are still out there. You know. If you want to order food, get food. If you have to order something from Amazon, the people that are in the in the warehouses, you know, getting that Amazon stuff out, the people that are delivering it, the FedEx drivers, the UPS drivers, uh, the U.S. postal workers, all those people out there that are essential employees for the MTA workers in New York, the New Jersey transit workers, everybody that's – and if I missed anybody, I apologize. But if you're an essential worker and you're still going to work every day and, quite frankly, putting yourself at risk so the rest of us can still have the essential things that we need to go on, the people that are working at the grocery stores, the supermarkets, the cashiers, everybody, thank you guys for all the work you're doing to help us get through this. No question. And I echo all of the, what John said. You know, we're so lucky to have people like like the the nurses, the doctors, people that are out there helping others. And, um, you know, we're helping others by staying home and just doing what we can do. Uh, but more importantly, thank you all of those people that are doing the things that they need to do to keep the world safe right now. And by the way, everybody at the hospitals, you have administrators, you have technicians, yeah. uh, the even the custodians, anybody that's in these hospitals that are putting themselves at risk, thank you for that. We really appreciate it. All right. Yep. Now let's get to the fun stuff. Okay. So let's welcome in our first guest as we take a look at Louisville prospects in this year's draft. And it's a smaller class for Louisville than we normally see. But there is one big guy, literally and figuratively, Cameron, that we want to touch on the most with you. And uh, we'll and we'll go three, four, five questions deep here because it's a guy that the Giants could be interested uh, in at fourth overall, and that's Makai Becton. But first off, Cameron Teague with the Courier-Journal. Thanks for joining us. Um, hope you and everybody is well dealing with uh, the world of self-isolation uh, in really this real strange time we're dealing with in the country right now. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on, and same for you. It's it's it's, it's kind of nice being at home, but it's also weird because you can't leave. There's nothing else to do. So, That's but right. I hope you guys are doing well as well. Yeah, we are, and and we're very happy to talk football with you because it kind of gives us a, a bit of a reprieve. The draft right now yeah. is the only show in town. So just give me your overall take on Makai Becton. I think that's a good place to start. Obviously, he's a gigantic human being. <laughs> yeah, yeah, huge, huge person. I mean, you're talking about we, we would be in media scrums and you would be staring up at him um, for almost breaking your neck to get a question in. Um, but on the field, I mean, just a gigantic human being who moves really well, um, loves the physicality of the sport. I think he told me that was one of his favorite things about football, just how physical he can be. He loves throwing people on the ground. I think on film you, you'll even see him pushing someone even when they're already on the ground. Um Great run blocker, did really well in, in play action a lot for Louisville last year because they ran a lot of play action um, last season. Uh, good, great, great person as well. Um, 
like, very loyal to his, his friends and his family, um, loves the coaching staff. Um, and it's just one of those guys who I just think constantly has a chip on his shoulder to prove a lot of people wrong. Um, talk about a huge human being. I mean, I, I look at the numbers here, six foot seven, 364 pounds. I mean, th- my God. Okay. So, um, the other thing that I kind of like about Beckton is the fact that, and you could talk a little bit about this, Cameron, is that he can play both positions. I know predominantly um, he would, you would want him on the left side, but the fact is, let me ask you a question. In, in the NFL, some of these guys that have, and this is a question I want to know him like from his freshman year to his junior year, how big was he when he came in? And because my question is, at 364 pounds, this guy could get to 400 pounds if he wanted to. <laughs> um, and sometimes yeah. that could be a problem for some guys. Yeah, no, I don't think he'll get to 400 pounds. I think he's right around where he wants to be. I know okay. he was, I don't remember exactly where he was his freshman year, but I know he was over 330 already. Okay, um, wow. Because I, I remember him being around three, around 320 in high school um, when he was just, like, dunking on people on the basketball floor. Um, <laughs> so, But I don't think he wants to be around 400. I think where he's at is kind of where he wants to be. I think he'll cut oh, weight, sure. too, if teams want him to be. Um, but I don't think there's a worry of him adding weight. I, I don't because it's, it's not fat. It's just, if you look at him, it's like he doesn't even yeah. look 360. It's very solid weight. Um, it had his holes very firm, and he moves well with it. So um, but I don't think there's a fear of him getting up to up, up to 400 or above. Even I don't even think above 370. Okay, yeah, I, I was hoping not. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of guys that just you know their work ethic sometimes can be a little bit questionable. I don't see anything on him about his work ethic and that it would ever get to that point. I mean, when I look at this guy's as far as we talk about a mammoth of a man. I mean, he's got a seven-foot wingspan, which will obviously yeah. help him um, at any type of uh, outside rusher. Um, let me ask you one question, and I'll get to John Canaz. What exactly do you like the best out of Beckton? Is it, is it his attitude? Is it his character? Is it his nastiness? Give me something that you really, really appreciate out of this young man. Um, a lot of people I talk to love his nastiness, but I just like his character. I mean, he's, I mean, he's one of those kids you, you root for because he's just a good human being. Nice. Um, Kai, always, always been good to the media, um, and he, he's just, he just focused on football. He wants to be the best tackle in the draft. He probably wants to be the best tackle of all time. Um, he just puts his head down and does his work, um, and it's very respectful when, it's respectful when he's off the field. And I think I always tell the story. Um, last year, he, was, uh, he missed the NC State game because I think he rolled his ankle against Miami. Um, it's pouring rain outside, and the guy who was replacing him was doing his first interview ever. Of this, like I think might have been of his career. And Makai is just standing in the rain, to, like supporting and cheering him on during his interview. Like that's just the kind of guy Makai is. Nice, um, wow, great kid. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Where have you seen him improve the most from his freshman year, especially in terms of technique? Because Cameron, you know this: when you're that big, you could probably get by just in college, getting in the way and being huge and being athletic. And, you know, there isn't pressure to make your technique better because you can just dominate physically. Where did you see yeah, him get so, better with his technique throughout his college career? Yeah, so I, did, I didn't cover him his freshman year, but I can tell you, I think, especially last season, you'll see, if you really, if you look at the film from Notre Dame all the way through the Mississippi State Bowl, well, not the Mississippi State Bowl game, but the Kentucky Bowl, the Kentucky game to end the season, he just got a lot more physical. Like, you know, it wasn't even, I guess, maybe not physical, but he was just finishing plays. I mean, there's a lot of times where he can move somebody out of the play, um, but he was just, I mean, he was just putting people on the ground as the season went on. You look at the Florida State game, Syracuse, Clemson, Kentucky was incredible. I mean, Louisville lost 40 to nothing, but if you just looked at Makai, it was just, I mean, you could just say Makai was dominant. 
Um, he, he just continued to put, push people out of bounds and on the ground. And that, I think that's where he improved the most that season. His technique continues to be, to be pretty solid. He can be a little sloppy sometimes, um, but he's getting better there. But I think when he, where he improved the most was just, um, just being able to put people on the ground and finish plays. He was finishing every play. Um, like it was the very first play of the game. It really didn't matter. You know, Cameron, just watching his tape, and I have never seen any offensive lineman I've watched, and I've done this draft stuff pretty hardcore for the last five or six years. I have not seen an offensive lineman send people literally airborne the yeah. amount of times that I've seen Mekhi Becton do it. And we're not talking like linebackers and defensive backs. I'm talking like legit DNs. Yeah, he is yeah. sending them Airborne. I've never seen anything yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah, and he, it's not like he was playing like Division Two or even group, group of five teams. I mean, he was. I remember watching the Clemson tape the day after the game, and I, I just I remember sending videos of it to a friend of mine, just like this kid is unbelievable. I mean, it just he just dro- drops your jaw. He's really going to get Notre Dame, who has a, de- uh, um, a, de- a defensive end in the draft. I think he was really going to get Miami for the spurt. He was in there who. Maybe one of the best defensive events in the in the conference. Uh, really good against Florida State. Like I said, I just it's unbelievable the amount of times he does it, and he likes doing it. I think he tries to do it every time he can. Um, he is just he loves that physical part of the game. I think he likes being able to control what somebody can do with their body with his hands, and he's very very good at it. Well, listen, the, I, I am I have you haven't heard me speak on this topic before, but. John gets it gets tired for John because I I am I we had the number four pick the Giants do, um, right. I want to go for a tackle. Um, I Beckton is one of my guys. I want I I want him desperately. Um, I feel like yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a situation where he can come in obviously immediately and play a left or right whatever they want to do. We have a a left tackle named Nate Solder. They could keep him there. He could play right guard or right tackle for a season or switch him right away. I don't know. I am very excited to see him wear a New York Giants helmet. Um, and I would be, I would be one of the guys jumping up and down if we draft him. I think he's that good. I think he can be a staple for that position for the next 10 years. And what I like about hearing Cameron, when you tell me about his character and his work ethic, those are the types of people that I want drafted in the first round for my team. The guys I'm not yeah. going to have to worry about. And this guy sounds like he's the man. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, this isn't a kid who you have to you worry about. Like if you draft him. It's not a kid you worry about coming in and him just being satisfied with being the fourth overall pick. That's not Makai. I think he he wants to be a, law, a starter for a long time in the NFL. I think he wants to be an all pro uh, all pro tackle for a long time in the NFL, and that's just, he's going to work for that. I think you saw it this year because at the beginning of the year, I mean, he was very overlooked randomly. I don't. I was shocked when he wasn't on the all, preseason All ACC list, um, and I think he took that to heart a little bit and really just kind of went to the season wanting to dominate. Good. Um, and then had a terrific year. Cameron, how about the pass pro? Because you mentioned, and I noticed this too watching him on tape, not a lot of traditional dropbacks for Louisville. A lot of play action, right. to your point. They move the line, things of that nature. So where do you think he is in terms of his traditional pass sets when he gets to the NFL and he has to protect on some of those five- and seven-step drops? Yeah, I think he'll be fine. I talked to a lot of scouts who, who, um, who talk about his pass sets, and I, I think – but universally, I think the thought is that he can improve there, but he's so he's, his ceiling is so high because of how well he moves and how big he is. Mm-hmm. I think one scout told, told me he like he, it's like blocking out the sun is what Makai can do, whether he's running or passing. I mean, I think he gave up three or four sacks in his career at Louisville. Um, I I think that's something he he's going to have to improve on. I think he was very good at it last year; didn't give up a sack. Um, but 
if you're looking for somewhere for him to prove, I think that's it. But I think he's he was great there last year. Um, I think, like you said, it wasn't traditional passing sets, but I think he'd be fine at the next level. What so, um, once he kind of re- if he reaches the ceiling, I mean, it's 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 going to be really tough to to put somebody over there. So I guess the final question for me, and then I'll let Jeff wrap up. If there was one thing that you would point to to say, you know what, I'm worried about this, what would it be? Uh, that's a tough question. Him uh, not going to the Giants, probably. Would be probably your one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, I will confess to you guys, I, I'm born and raised in Cleveland, so I'm a Browns fan. I really wanted to fall a 10. Um, but um, I don't know. I I don't know. I, he just has such a high ceiling. I don't. I just don't see a way he's not a long-time starter in the NFL. I just I, I can't I can't see a way that happens. He's so versatile, so big, can move so well, and he's already such a good run blocker. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can't see. I mean, like 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 we talked about a little bit. Sometimes his his te- his hands and technique can be a little sloppy. I've heard that from scouts. But other than that, I can't. I, I don't know. I can't can't pick something out. I think he's a bona fide starter for a long time in this league. Well, there's there's no question. And you know when I'm looking at you know here with the Giants at number four. We've had this debate back and forth. Will it be Isaiah Simmons? Will it be Becton? Who yeah. is it going to be? When you look at both of these players and their freakishness as far as their athleticism, I mean, yeah. th- look at both those guys. You can't go wrong with either one of these guys. Oh. I can tell you yeah, that. No, I agree. I, I agree. Isaiah Simmons is my favorite player to watch last year. He's, he's, un- he's incredible. Sure. And I just think, yeah. like, you know, with a guy like uh, Becton, when he's out there, you, by the way, how how do you get around him anyways with that with yeah. that that wingspan seven yeah. feet, John? I mean, I you know. and I could put our arms together and probably be that far. I mean, it's that is amazing to me. But yeah. I, I wish the best to him. Uh, I hope he's here and we we can interview him and have him on our show and do all that good stuff. Um, and we appreciate you coming on with us too, Cameron. Yeah, not a problem. Appreciate you guys having me. Hey, Cameron, before we say goodbye real quick, anyone else coming out of Louisville? I know Becton's kind of the star. Uh, maybe somebody yeah. that you really like that you think might be a sleeper either in, on day three or maybe as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, there's a few undrafted free agents that I think might be able to make it to camp and make a team. Uh, they got nose tackle with Gigi Robinson, who put on some weight this offseason, very, very athletic, um, could probably make a team. And then they have a safety cane pass. He does not. It's not really a, like his numbers. Physical numbers are going to shock you, but he's just one of those guys who just makes plays. It's just all over the field at all time, all the time. I always finds the ball. Um, so I think those are two guys who could make a team somewhere. Um, if that's the case, I think they could. They could potentially have a decent career. Awesome, Cameron. Good stuff, my friend. Stay safe. We appreciate you taking the time, and we'll talk to you down the road. All right, pal. Thank you, Cameron. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. That's Cameron Teague. Does an excellent job. We thank him for joining us on today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, talking about the Louisville prospects and specifically Makai Becton. And we'll have Scott Schrader on a little bit later, Jeff, in about 10 minutes or so, uh, talking about the two guys coming out of USC, Austin Jackson, a potential second-round target for the Giants, if he's still there, Mm -hmm. and Michael Pittman, who um, probably will get selected, a big wide receiver, uh, in the second or third round of the draft. So a couple good guys from USC, we'll talk about them. And I've been kind of thinking about this, and, you know, Dave Gettleman and Paul and I had this conversation on Friday, and this is kind of where I sit. Mm -hmm. To your point, I would not have one complaint about Simmons or one of the offensive linemen. But the more I think about it, Dave Gettleman isn't someone that generally cares about positional value, right? He's kind of talked about that a lot. He is somebody that cares about getting the most talented guy and the guy that has a chance to be a Hall of Famer. And to me, I think 
he, when all said and done, and this is just my guess, I mm-hmm. have no knowledge, this is just my impression, that when all said and done, he's going to look at Isaiah Simmons as almost the defensive version of Saquon Barkley, okay. where he's so athletically gifted and freakish mm-hmm. and versatile and can do things not only in the run game but in the pass game, much like Barkley on offense, mm-hmm. that that is where he's going to land. But, and it kind of clicked in me listening to Cameron here, if he goes offensive line, do you think it's going to be Becton because of just the freakish size, athleticism, and strength that can't be taught, which maybe gives him the highest ceiling of the group? Well, here's the thing. I, I think if you had them both next to each other, I think you and I both would rank Isaiah Simmons higher than Becton. Yes, I think, you know, I think you're so, right. So if we're going to go there, which if that's the way we're going to build our draft board, then that answers our question, right? And I think that Dave Gettleman would be so happy to have a generational player like Simmons, like a Saquon Barkley. So they would be jumping through the roof like, my God, we got our guy. However, <laughs> when I look at this and the way that you put it, if I was to ask you the question, which two of these players would have the more propensity to be a Hall of Famer and to have a solid 10-year career, then I go with Becton over a linebacker any day. Because linebackers get hurt too much. They really do. And so, and I don't care even if he's this freakish, that means he's going to be doing freakish things that could be freakish injuries, maybe. But to me, a guy like uh, it's Makai Becton will sit there and anchor that right or left side, whatever you're going to put him. It, most, most of the time, he's going to be on the left side eventually, right, John? Yeah, sure. I, I have to go there. I really do because I, and I've said this over and over, but I want protection and I want longevity. And I want a guy that's going to get a second contract and is going to be a perennial pro bowl yeah. at the left tackle. Yeah, see, Jeff, and that's the thing. And the way, the way I think of it, too, is that we've sat here doing shows. We've been doing shows together since, like, 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been a long time. And how difficult have the Giants found it to locate a long-term answer at one of the offensive tackles? Well, they've tried. They and, tried. But they're just so hard to find. They, and are. they you just they, These guys don't show up in the draft very often. They never become available in free agency because teams re-sign them before they even hit the free agent market. Yep. So to your point, and I won't disagree, I think when all is said and done, Isaiah Simmons will probably have a higher raw grade than the offensive tackle. 100%. Right? Yep. But to your point, and this is why I'm kind of waffling back and forth still. Luckily, of I, luckily I, have under, I still have a little less than three weeks to figure it out. <laughs> But just securing that tackle spot with a young quarterback in Daniel Jones, a running back in Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. I think there's so much value there. I'm, yeah, and that, so does that, everybody that's else, That's what John. makes me think twice about it. You know what I mean? It's yeah, a no, really, really tough decision. 100%. And if I, you know, if you go through and you know, the way we look at these mock drafts for you know, maybe the five or seven guys that we kind of put a lot of credence in, I mean, most of them are going with the offensive line position. And, you know, it's, it's not always Becton. It's good to see, it could be worse. It could be to see the other guys. But the fact is, is that you hit the nail on the head. You have Saquon Barkley, okay, a third-year player. You have Daniel Jones, a second-year player. And now you're going to have a guy, uh, an offensive lineman like Becton, a first year. These guys can be with your organization for a while. They can be your staple. And then you can fill those other. If, if I asked you the last time the Giants drafted a perennial all-pro guy it's probably Chris Snee I mean because look they they lost out on on Flowers right that was a bust so you know that from what we're hearing about Becton I don't think he's going to be another Eric Flowers right um 
but it is hard to find those staples offensive linemen. They just aren't out there. And when you can get one, go get them. Yeah, and because you don't you don't know if that guy you get in the second round is going to be that guy. Yeah. He has a chance to be, but I hope he is. But we've seen enough times where these guys you pick in the second round, you know, end up being just okay or maybe they don't maybe they flame out. They don't become a starter. You know, these I don't know. We've been through so many of these drafts, Jeff, and how many times have we said, oh, boy, the Giants are picking at 10. I just don't think an offensive tackle is going to be good enough to be worth that pick. We say it like every single year. Of course. Every si- even, in, even in the Saquon Barkley draft, was there any offensive tackle that was worth the second overall pick in that draft? No, Quentin Nelson, a guard. That was it. Yeah, I was just going to say. It, when, yeah, but, but and, you know. And then just a year ago when they picked Daniel Jones, we weren't talking about an offensive tackle in that spot. No, we were talking about an edge rusher. Yeah, exactly, because there wasn't an offensive tackle good enough and worth that selection. You go back, you know, Eric Flowers is the best offensive tackle on the board when they picked him. Yeah, but, but there wasn't three others behind him. Right, that's the point. It's just, it's it's so hard. You know, the Brian Ramchick year, he's, he played one year of college football. You know, high-level college football of Wisconsin. So these guys just don't come along very often. But I go back to – I asked Gettleman the question at the Combine when we had him on, Dave Gettleman, the general manager. And I said, Dave, you know, have you found in doing this job that there are some positions that you almost have to focus on in the draft because, they not be, because they're just not available in free agency? He goes, oh, no, I don't really look at it that way. So I don't think that's how Dave's going to approach it. That's why when all said and done, if I had to bet right now – and again – I don't know anything, folks. This is just a guess in my analysis. Simmons. I think they're going to take Simmons. Yeah, what do you because, think? Well, I think, and again, I think it all that matters. Now, I don't know, you know, when da- when Dave Gettleman was here with uh, Jerry Reese and all, you know, how they did their scouting and how they ranked players and how they did things. Remember, when, when Dave Gettleman, Gettleman got here, he changed all of that. He changed the way that they graded players. They changed the scouting department. He's changed a lot of stuff. So I don't know exactly are they a team that does the highest graded players and that's how they pick? If that's the case, then you go with Simmons because I got to believe that he's your top guy. Now, if he's for some reason is gone, then you go to your next guy. And I would imagine that one of these offensive linemen are going to be up there. You know, I can't imagine that, you know, um, you know, one of the wide receivers, another, another deep position in this draft is going to be ranked that high above one of these tackles. Here's the problem too. I see John, if you don't get one of these tackles, Okay, you have a high second round pick, but what is the propensity of any of those guys being there when you're picking at, in the second round in that fourth pick? Yeah, you have no idea. You have no idea, right? No. So, but here, and so if I want to get my tackle, I've got to go get them high in the first round now because none of these guys are going to be there. The good ones. Now, there's going to be other good linemen where I still think there's probably quality guards and centers in the second, third, and fourth round that you can be able to get. But you, I don't think you're going to get these guys that we're talking about, the three or four offensive tackles that can be your staples for the next 10 years. You're not going to find them in the second round. No, you're not. You're just not. All That's right, just my opinion. May, I hope I'm wrong, and maybe if the, some, some one, one kid proves us all wrong because I'm all about that, guys that are just have a chip on their shoulder and they go out and do it. But who knows? You don't know. But I can tell you right now, if you pick the guy at number four, he's going to be a good one. Yeah, look, I think you're right. Now, are you guaranteed you're going to get like a perennial all-pro and Hall of Fame or no? But I, I, I'm pretty sure that all these guys are going to be 10-year starters in the NFL. I hope so. I, I, yeah. I, I, feel, I feel pretty good about that. You know what I mean? You know what, John? I just got something. You know, you know what? Maybe the only way that, I, that I'm able to 
get that third round draft pick that I want and you want that high third round draft pick that we don't have. Maybe it is, is moving down in the draft to acquire a little bit more stock. Right, and then, and maybe, then you can still get one of those top maybe, tackles. Yeah, maybe, maybe, right? So, and and maybe now that even if you are sitting there in the draft room on on draft day and, and those guys are moving and you have that extra, that third round pick, maybe you can now move back up to get it by using a third round pick that you have. If you don't have that third round pick, you're sitting there with an empty hand at the table with no chips to put in the game, right? Because you're a 99th pick. Going from after the second round. That's a long drop from number that second round pick to the third round. Whew, that's a big drop. I'm telling you. No, I got to get in the third round. I would love to be able to acquire a pick at the top of that third round. I'm, I'm with you 100% on that because, you know, we talk about all these players. You know, we talk to all these reporters and so many guys we talk about. and There's So many of them. And Michael Pittman's going to be one of them when we, when we have a chance to talk to, to Scott Schrader in just a second. And you sit there and you're like, oh, man, that is... It's a sweet spot, That right? is a real nice spot. And, you know, and that's where you, a lot of times you'll find guys that are... 100%. You know, have, like, really good value. You know yep. what I mean? Where maybe they're a, a high second-round guy, but they drop for some reason, and you manage to grab them. They're kind of like, you know, that's where the Giants got Lorenzo Carter, right? Well, right right at the top of that third round. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, the reason it's they dr- The reason they drop this year, and if it's, if it's in one of these positions that's really stocked, they're dropping just because of that. Like receivers, offensive linemen, they're so rich this year that maybe that kid that's supposed to be in the second round, now it's just he's a third rounder, but he's really a second round pick, and you get so much value in a guy like that. Lorenzo Carter, yeah, let's see some value. He needs to play well this year. This is a big year for him. Yeah, it is. Look, and that's another thing. We can and we will get to the fan questions in, in just a little bit. I got four ones off of Twitter today, actually, that I've kind of talked to fans about over the last week that I want to get to, and we could talk about that. We'll have Scott Schrader, again, Trojan Insider, uh, head analyst for them. He'll be joining us in uh, just a moment here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. And, you know, it's funny, Jeff. I've looked at this wide receiver class. I've This weekend, I've gone through around six of the top guys. I've mm-hmm. gone through a lot of the middle guys before the Senior Bowl. But I watched Judy yesterday. I watched CeeDee Lamb yesterday. I watched Henry Yuggs yesterday. I watched Justin Jefferson yesterday. Mm-hmm. And did I watch anyone else yet? I think those are the four guys that I watched. Maybe I watched one more. I'm trying to remember. And I watched T. Higgins. Those okay. are the five guys I watched sure. yesterday. And it's funny. I maintain this is a great deep class. I don't see any of those guys that I watched yesterday as top eight picks. You know no. what I mean? I don't no. think they're general. Like I don't. I don't see a Julio Jones in this group. You know what I mean? I don't see a Calvin Johnson in this group. I see, you know, the next group down. Still, maybe number one wide receivers, but not like your you know best wide receiver in the league group you know what i mean well i do it and and i'll tell you how one of those receivers gets up there that high um it's because some some team falls in love with them right you know and that's it and there's such a need uh that they would they just they just can't help themselves they go up and get a guy like that right and then you're sitting there scratching your head like how did he go at number seven or six what where, where did this come from but the fact is that they're they're warranted I mean, they're 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 really really good. Yeah, those guys that you mentioned. However, they're not, and I'm with you. I don't think any of them are in the top ten unless somebody reaches for them and needs them. Then yeah, they go get them. I could see one of them going like eight or nine or ten, something like that. Yeah. But if if I have a choice between one again, because it's such a deep class, like I don't think Jeff that there's much of a difference between, you know, there's a difference, but there isn't much of a difference 
between like Jerry Judy and Justin Jefferson. Like they're close enough where I'd rather get Jefferson at 25 than get Judy at 10. You know what I mean? I feel like there's better value there. I I really like Jefferson. I like him at that number too. Uh, you know, but I you know, I and again, I I said this before. I would love for the Giants to get a, one of these receivers, not one of those six guys that you just mentioned. There's no way they can get one of those guys, but there's certainly enough around that we've talked about over our draft previews. Our, our prospects over the teams that we've talked to. There's a lot of guys out there that can be in that third. See, that's why the third round to me is so important. I think that that third round, get me in it, John. I got to get in there somehow. I know I'm in it at 99, but I want to get up there so that I can sit there and have the pick of the litter here. Like, okay, you know, do I want to take a receiver here? Because I wouldn't, I'm for, I would take either a receiver or a center in the third round. Those are my two guys that I would like to go with. In my opinion. Okay, well, let me get to one question. We're waiting on Scott Schrader. He should be be with us in uh, just a second. Uh, DJ Simi one. Um, his <laughs> question is: I don't understand the analytics stuff saying the Giants should take a wide receiver at four. This okay. is the deepest drafted wide receiver in a long time. Why would analytics say take a take a wide receiver in a deep wide receiver class? Doesn't make sense. I don't think that's necessarily. Analytics saying that, I do believe that's, you know, now in the modern passing NFL, people do value that wide receiver position a lot. So I think, you know, people are more apt to say, go pick a wide out early, and I get that. But look, I do not believe one of those guys is going to be the best player available at number four. I just don't. I'd rather have Simmons. I'd rather have Okuda. I'd rather have any of the offensive linemen. I would. It's just period stop. And frankly, for me, that's not close. Yeah. And I think... You here's the here's the thing that I think might be the case though, Jeff. And I posed this question to Tatino on Friday, and I'll pose it to you now. Okay. If the Giants, and I think there's a side chance this actually does happen, though. At watching the tape yesterday, I don't see it, but maybe it does. We could get to that pick in the second round. What if either Denzel Mims or T. Higgins is sitting there for the Giants? I, listen, I it all goes back to where the Giants, how they have these guys ranked, John. I, I, feel, I feel like, because you know we've talked so many times that teams do not, they do not draft out of need. Right. They draft out of rankings. Well, and that, well, that's my point, though. Like, that wouldn't be a necessarily a big need, right? But I think they might, they have the potential to be one of the highest graded players on the board. Potentially. Absolutely. And and listen, I, I'm, I'm with, I come from the line of this. I do the best job I can analyzing and I and all these draft prospects going out and doing and it's gonna and believe me, it's a tough process this year. It's a completely different model, right? I mean, they can't really this is a hard deal for these guys, but you rank these guys in accordance to where you feel the number that they should be. And I it makes it my draft so much easier as I start taking guys off the board, taking guys off the board, and then my next here's my next pick. That's what I, that's how I build my team. That's how I build it. So I'm going highest player, and if it's a receiver, I'm going with the receiver. Okay, okay. Is there any? Okay, how about what if, what if the top center in the draft? And I should point out um, there were reports from Jordan Reed of the Draft Network that the Giants are going to do a video interview with uh, Cesar Ruiz of Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Um, would you consider the top? Would you consider taking a center there? I know you said center around three is your sweet spot. Would you consider it in round two if you like the guy enough? One hundred percent. Hundred percent, because I I feel like the center is just is a big need. I've said that before. I I I don't see that the center position for the Giants does not make me real excited right now. I 
who do we got? We got Spencer Poli, who I know Dettino loves Spencer Poli. And I think Spencer Poli could be a nice, good center in this league, but not a. I just don't think he's a, the kind of guy that I want to build this offensive line for the future of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. So, yes, go get him. I got me a left tackle and I got me a center, then I'll shut up. You won't hear it from me again. Wow, Fiegel's doubled up on the O-line. How about that? I think Paul Dettino's taking over your brain, though. He he doesn't want to pick the offensive tackle fourth. It's amazing. Like, the world's topsy-turvy. <laughs> well, I, listen, I know that the defense needs a lot of work, but I also know that the offense, it, it you have number 26, okay, and you have a quarterback that you drafted. you got to build around those guys for your team. I think it's easier to build a defense than it is an offense. That's just me. All right, Jeff, let's get to our next question then. And another one from Twitter. This one coming from at AMIRAD underscore Lou. I think I have that right. Do you <laughs> think so. do you think that Simmons, if needed, could be a dominant pass rusher if he was asked to focus on this most of the time? Ceiling would be a dominant pass rusher who could easily drop in coverage when asked and run down running backs on the other side of the field. Put on a little weight and question mark. Now, I'm actually happy you asked this question because I ans- I answered a similar question on our um, Giants mailbag feature on Giants.com, and I pulled some very interesting uh, numbers off of Pro Football Focus. But I'll start with this very short, Jeff, and then I'll get your comment on it. Okay. No, Isaiah Simmons is not an every-down edge rusher. That's it? That's all you have? That's not, well, I'm giving you, I'm letting you comment first before I, I'm, I'm getting I'm my stats up here. No, listen, I will agree with you. I, I don't see him as being that guy. Now, again, we don't know what Patrick Graham is going to present to us. I mean, are they going to be a 3-4 team? Are they going to be a 4-3 team legitimately? I don't know. Um, but I do know this, that Patrick Graham knows how he wants to play uh, Simmons, where he wants them to play, and I think it's going to be in the middle. I think it's going to be, and he's going to be moving them around. But I talked about this the other day. I think it was with you, John, or it might have been with Paul. I lose track. Fact is, is that I don't want this young man to come in here with a playbook with five positions. I want him to come in here and, and they say to him, listen, this is your primary position. And in some in certain times. And then grow out from there, right? Correct. And, you know, we, we'll play you here, but you're going to play this. You're going to learn this position. And I don't think that that primary position is going to be that out that hand in the dirt rusher. I don't think it's going to be. Yeah, he's just not big enough. He's 6'4", no. 238. And let me give you some numbers. And here are some good ones, okay? Last year for Clemson, these numbers are via Pro Football Focus. Just to give you an idea of what he did at Clemson last year, because I feel like people watched the National Championship game yeah. where he actually rushed the passer a lot in that game, but that's not what he did over the course of the year. Here we go. So in 464 passing snaps last year at Clemson, take a guess, Jeff, out of those 464, how many he rushed the passer rather than playing coverage on those 464 passing snaps. How many times did he rush the passer? 150. 73. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, that's. I thought 150 was high, but it, obviously it was. And okay. I wrote this in. Let that sink in. Yeah. He rushed the passer on only 16% sure. of his passing snaps. And this is another one. Until the national championship game against LSU, he never rushed the quarterback more than seven times in a single game mm-hmm. all season. Yeah. So he is not, not an edge rusher. And they also PFF Jeff tracks where he lines up. So he lined up at outside linebacker, which is off the right or left side of that line, um, which I guess is the closest thing you can consider to be an edge rusher, right? 
as yeah. a stand-up outside linebacker. 3-4. Yeah. On 241 of his 823 snaps. So that's just 29% of the time. So that's not – his strength is being in space, running, chasing, hitting, mm-hmm. and covering. Mm-hmm. To me, you want to get him away from those 300-pound offensive linemen. You yeah. don't want to put him over those 300-pound offensive linemen. And I think you hurt his blitzing and pass rush ability if you're lining him up at the same place all the time. Well, listen, you want him to go... Now, I don't know if PFF follows this, but from the middle position, how many times he rushed the passer in a blitz situation. You know, I, or, or when he was in a, when he was playing safety, which he played quite a bit of. Or it. slot corner, by the or way. Or slot corner, where he came off of the edge, which, by the way, you know, that happens in the NFL. You see it all the time. That slot corner comes and gets a sack. So... To me, he is very much more valuable playing in space, like you said, where he can use his athletic ability and speed to get around. And listen, if that if those linemen are coming up to the second level to get him, he will have the ability to get away from them better than he will if he's only however much he weighs with his hand in the dirt rushing those tackles because well, they're good. Well, Jeff, we will have um, more questions from the fans in a minute, but first let's get to our guest. He's Scott Schrader. He's out there on the West Coast. He's the head analyst and the, for the Trojan Insider. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. you got John Schmelk and Jeff Fiegels on the line. Before we get, Hello, to, Scott. The, before we get to the fun stuff, uh, how are you and your family and everybody holding up in these crazy times? And everybody out here, so we're okay here. Uh, we got off to an early start of, of kind of quarantining ourselves, and uh, so I really Good. haven't gone out and done much for you know nearly three weeks now. Damn. Yeah, Scott, <laughs> it's the same exact thing same here in here. the East Coast. California and New York are kind of unfortunately ahead of the curve, which means hopefully we'll yeah. be done with it before everybody else, as long as everyone follows these rules and everything. Um, thanks a lot for being with us, man. We appreciate it. Uh, let's start with, with Michael Pittman. And I watched him in detail, Scott, heading into the Senior Bowl. And what I liked about him watching him is that while he's a big wide receiver, I felt like he ran routes like a six-foot wide receiver, which I think makes a big difference when you're 6'4". Yeah, he does. That, it, that's a perfect description of, of him. He, he does. So there, there are certain guys. You know, it's very rare that I've seen guys out here that, that are – have his size, his height, and all that kind of stuff, but can run the routes like he does. Um, so, you know, there, there's there's not a whole lot of weaknesses in in his game, really. And I think that um, there might have been a lot of a lot of guys that weren't really that familiar with him. And I think he really, I think he earned himself a lot of money uh, during the combine. Um, Scott Jeff Fiegel's here. Thanks again for uh, joining us this morning. I wanted to ask you this. Um, you know, Michael Pittman. We know a lot about him as a senior. Tell me a little bit about his maturation and why we didn't really hear so much about him as a junior or even a sophomore, and how why this you know just coming out this senior year he's all of a sudden has just been I mean remarkably good. Well, it it was interesting with with Michael in in that his sophomore year he was I you know I I feel he was ready to to maybe have kind of a a breakout season for him as as a younger player, and he and he suffered an ankle injury and he just. It seemed like he was kind of battling that that injury for for maybe a year. Wow. Uh, you know, it was just high ankle sprain, and you know Ugh, how that goes. Yeah, French. those are hard. So it's just yeah. So and there and there were some issues that were going on, and then he I, he got healthy, and there were other guys that kind of had passed him by because he wasn't practicing and obviously wasn't playing either. And I think it was more that it was just he just had to get over the, these nagging injuries, and I think he also took his his off season workouts. 
to a new level before his senior year too. He was he was working a lot with Curtis Conway, and uh, and he he just got bigger, stronger, faster, and uh, you know the the results spoke for themselves really last season. You know, Scott, it's funny. I went. I remember when I was watching uh, Sam Darnold coming out a couple years ago. Michael Pittman was the only guy he threw to. He was hitting Pittman all over the place. And to your point, yeah. I, I thought he was ready to break out too. Yeah, he, it just it looked like he was. And you know, I, I, I'm sure it's hard to manage football players when you've got a lot of talented guys. That's one thing USC definitely had. You know, despite all the issues that they had on on the field, they had the receivers. And you know, so you had Tyler Bonds who was making catches, and, and you had. You know, over there's Juju Smith, obviously, and so you know it, it was for a lot of us. We were watching him, just thinking it was just a matter of time. And sometimes you say that about guys forever. And <laughs> Michael was just one of those guys that you know finally had his year and just showed everybody what he, you know why he was one of the top rated wide receivers coming out of high school. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, wide receivers, uh, you know, safeties, linebackers, they're going to be required to play special teams when they come into the National Football League. Um, this is a guy I see as a as a true special teams guy, maybe a third, fourth wide receiver in the first couple years. Talk to me yeah. a little bit about his special teams play and how he can develop as that immediately when he comes to the pros. Yeah, that's another thing he did do. He was he was very active with special teams at USC. Uh, you know, I, at, at some points, you know, they were trying to figure out who was going to do punt, punt returning and kickoff returning. It was it was it was an absolute mess at USC in that regard. Um, <laughs> And, and Michael was one of those guys that you know was, was kind of a sure thing. You know, he wasn't going to do anything spectacular, which he did do. Though he actually did have some, he did actually have, I think, a kickoff return or a punt return. I forget what it was. Um, I cover USC football and recruiting, and sometimes my mind I, I lose track of, of what everybody did exactly. But we know um, the feeling. <laughs> yes, and 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 so he's one of those guys, that's kind of a, a sure-handed guy. He's not going to drop balls and. But they all, the thing with Michael Pittman is, you know, he was returning punts and kicks, but he was also a guy that was was was, was chasing guys down on kickoffs and, and sure. punts also. So, yeah. you know, he's a multifaceted guy, and he can be used in so many so many different ways. And and on top of that, he's just one of those all time great dudes. He's gonna he's gonna bring much more than just being a really talented football player to your to, to your uh, your football team. I want to talk a little bit about him as a wide receiver a bit more. Obviously, the height, he has the wingspan, he's got really good hands. Doesn't have the blazing speed, though. So how would you characterize his ability to make bigger plays down the field? Is he kind of like a back shoulder guy, a contested catch guy? Where are you going to get big plays out of Michael Pittman Jr.? I think you, 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 you said a couple of them right there. USC was, was when Graham Harrell came on board, well, when JT Daniels came on as, as, as quarterback, that was kind of a big thing for, for them to work on during the offseason with the back shoulders and, and the fade balls. And, you know, so, so Michael's definitely that guy because he just, you know, again, he, you know, he's this taller receiver, and, but he's, he's got these skills almost like a, like a out, baseball outfielder. You know, he's able to transition his body, and, and he, he just, he, his ability to locate the ball is, is one of those extremely impressive things. You know, you watch him, and you, you see balls being thrown up in the air, and, you know, sometimes it seems like at USC, a lot of times balls are just thrown up in the air because that's what, that's basically the only play they had that was working. And <laughs> and Michael was that guy that could just go up and grab every ball. 
Well, I, I think that he's going to make a heck of a football player for somebody, um, especially because of his yeah. size. Um, all of us like big, big receivers, and especially if they can master the back shoulder catch, nobody can defend that if they can do it. You're right. You, you get a quarterback and a wide receiver, and you know, once when, when you get those guys on the same page with, with the with the fade balls and and with the back shoulder stuff, uh, it's just it's it's incredible to watch it because you you cannot stop it, and that and I think. You know, I don't want to say that's all he's good at because, you know, again, we talked about he, you know, Michael Pittman can run routes and he, he just doesn't drop balls either. And, you know, in the end, I think ultimately, you know, that's what you are looking for. You know, in the NFL, you got to have that speed also. But, uh, you know, I don't know. What, what, do you guys remember what he ran at the combine, what his 40 time was? 4-5-2. Yeah, it's good yeah, enough. So, that's good enough. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing uh, it's, that nowadays yeah. that we're saying 4-5 is slow. <laughs> I mean, seriously. You know what's funny, though, because, you know, that's kind of where we've gotten fans have gotten to the point now. I know he's only four or five. Oh, <laughs> and uh, by, by, uh, by, by, by the way, by the way, Michael Thomas, <laughs> who I think is a fairly decent comparison for Michael Pittman, by the way, he ran in the mid yeah. four or five. So trust okay. me, it's fa- it's fast enough. Yeah, right, it is. And and when he when he combined that size and that, I mean, almost is kind of a freakish athleticism that, that Pittman does have. How so? And uh, and and so and he, and, he, and he's tough physically. You know, he's not a guy. You know, he had these nagging injuries, and sometimes that does that's not an indication of how tough you are. But you know, he's a guy that's going to get hit, and he's he's he doesn't fumble, and you know, just, you know, I can sit here and talk all day about him because you know, he's one of those guys I, I just think really, really highly of as well. You know, I, I want to get back to something you just said. You said freakish athleticism in different ways, and the one thing that maybe didn't surprise me because, like I said, I saw it with the rat running on tape. For a guy at 6'4 to run a sub-7-second three-cone drill and a 4-1-4 20-yard shuttle, those are very, very, very good numbers. So can you go a little bit deeper when you say freakish athleticism, the type of stuff you're talking about? Well, again, you're talking about the routes that he's able to run. And, and he, you know, whether he's going up against – one thing One thing that he you do do in the Pac-12 is you're going up against really, really good defensive backs. And – you know, he just has this way to, to to high point the balls. It was you know the timing, and you know when you combine that with his ability, he's got the length. So he's also catching these balls that you know a lot of guys have no chance in catching. So instead of a quarterback maybe going thirty for forty, you know he, uh, he he's going thirty two for forty because Michael Pittman's going to be able to catch a couple of those balls that other guy they're going to get away with other guys. But you know the freakish athleticism is just his ability to to leap. And, and, and when you watch him again, when I, I try to describe it as, as, as a baseball outfielder, because he's able to just turn his head and turn his body around and just locate the ball. And, and when you watch that, you watch him, if you watch a full season of, of his highlights, you know, you, you start noticing that, you know, it, it's a rare talent for, for guys to be able to do that. Of course, you know, anybody that's going to be going to the NFL, it, it's a rare talent. But, you know, this, this is a guy that just, like I said, I just don't, I don't know what his weakness is. All right, why don't we jump over to Austin Jackson then? Uh, he's somebody, and I watched him over the course of the year. I went back, looked at the tape, Scott, and we're joined by Scott Trader, head analyst for Trojan Insider, covering USC. And I was really impressed. I was really impressed. I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty good. He's pretty good. Then I got to the bowl game against Iowa, and A.J. Epinesa had his way with him a little bit. So. What, yeah. what what did you see from Austin Jackson over the course of the year, and kind of just where he is and where he still needs to try to get a little bit better? 
Yeah, I, you know, guys. Austin Jackson is one of, one of those guys that was. It was kind of interesting to watch him in high school. That you know, he he played football, he played basketball, and then I I don't know. I still to this day don't know whether it was real or not. But he but he, he ran anchor for one of their relay teams too. So <laughs> oh my god! Guys, so I I think I think you know Austin's biggest issue was there were guys that were still getting around him and still getting by him last season. But I think you know he was a guy also that. And this is this was an issue with a lot of guys at USC. I'm not quite sure what was going on, but he too also he was playing with with, with ankle issues just forever. And I know all last season, last season he was as healthy as he has been. But again, you know, I think he he kind of missed a bunch of a bunch of months of, of working out and stuff like that when he he helped his sister out with a uh, with a transfusion um, and. So yeah, I, I think he needs. He still has some footwork issues. I think he needs to work on. Um, and you know, I think also he probably could get in in a little bit better shape. Um, but I think what what people are seeing in him and seeing the value in it is, is he's just he's a big dude, obviously, but he's he's athletic. You know, he's a guy that's able to play basketball. And of course, you know, running track, he's not going to be running by a bunch of those guys on, on, on the track field. But you know. He again, you know, he ran a pretty good. He had a pretty good forty time. So I think NFL scouts are going to look at, at this guy as, as being, you know, really athletic, big guy that, you know, maybe maybe he's not he's maybe not one of those guys able to come in and play right away. Which I think it's ideal to be able to bring a guy in and, and, and have him be able to come in and play as a rookie or at least compete to play. But Austin Austin might be one of those guys that, that might not quite be there yet. Sounds to me like a wonderful man. I mean, obviously, the yeah. the transfusion you were talking about was a bone marrow transplant with his for, with his sister. Um, yep. And I know that that can that can really, you know, talk about mentally strong. I mean, when you're going through something like that with your sister and things like that, you know, yeah. football is always secondary. But it sounds like this young man is able to to put things in priorities and come back and play a little bit. Um, the one thing he's young. I think he's a, a guy that's very young and that's going to come into the National yep. Football League and, and learn for a little while. And, and, you know, once you get the coaching at this level, it's pretty impressive that they can turn this guy around. And it sounds like just a, a, one of these guys that you want on your team because of his character. Yes. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not somebody that likes to sit here and, and talk bad about anybody, but I, I think that that he may not have been getting the top-notch coaching that, that they, I think sure. he, got, he was coached up really, really well last year. Mm-hmm. I think Tim Drevno, he took over as an offensive, offensive line coach, you know, last year, and I, I think the coaching level was was a lot higher last year. I'm not quite sure the development was was there his first couple of years at USC. So, you know, you have this, you have this. Beautiful piece of clay that, that, that these NFL coaches can can mold, you know, mold really. Uh, I think the sky's the limit with Austin Jackson. You know, you get him in there and you get him working out, you know, daily as a as a professional football player. And I, I know I I can't wait to see what he turns turns into. Played a lot of games. I mean, you look at I'm yeah. looking at these yeah. uh, statistics. I mean, uh, twelve games, thirteen games, fourteen games. Uh, I mean, he's obviously yeah. you mentioned his ankle, but it sounds to me that he's pretty durable. Other than that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's a, he's a guy. Despite the ankle injury, and see, I, I've I've known Austin. I, I I met him his late sophomore year of high school. So, you know, I, I knew. You know, when you see guys all the time, you, sure. you, it's, it's not that hard to know when they're not doing their they're, they're not feeling good. And Austin was one of those guys. You know, you'd watch him practice, and he just knew he just it, 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 he wasn't lying about his ankle because first of all, he wouldn't be the guy that would be lying about it. But you could just tell. But 
again, I, I think last season at least you saw him get better every week. And and so once you start seeing that, you know, that I'm not quite sure that, that he was somebody that I ex, I expected to maybe go in the first round, which I guess that's kind of what they're talking about right now. But, you know, he, he's – because there's been other guys at USC that gone in the first round, I thought, that, that were maybe more ready to go to the NFL, mm-hmm. like Tyron Smith and then and, and, uh, right. Matt Khalil. You know, those, those guys, but <laughs> but Austin, yeah, he's just a tremendous person, and you know, the athleticism and his size, you know, that that packs right there would, would be awfully fun to work with as an offensive line coach, I'm sure. So I just want to summarize it real quick. So basically, he needs to build strength a little bit, needs to improve yep. on his technique a bit, and if you have to put him in there and play him in year one, you might have some rough going. But if you stick with him, you think he could turn into a pretty good starting caliber tackle? I do. Yes, a- absolutely. You know, he was a guy. He was a guy. He he played in the Army All America Bowl game, and every year the offensive linemen that obviously go to that game are the best in the country. And you know, I was I was just watching Austin in the, in just in those practices, and I just thought, you know, just with with his athleticism and that, and that size, and you know, he works his tail off too. Um, you know, I just I I saw him being one of those guys who could be you know a first or second round player, and you know. What 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 kind of projections is he having right now? I've I've kind of lost track of this whole NFL. I've lost track of everything, to be honest. With yeah, you. I mean, I think right now they're kind of projecting him anywhere between like you know eighteen and 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 thirty five, give or take, somewhere yeah. in that range. And the reason we're okay. asking you about him because the Giants pick at thirty six, mm-hmm. and if they and if they don't go offensive tackle at fourth overall, we think that could be an option for them in round two. Man, that'd be a good pick. Is he someone that's that's played left and right side, by the way? Yes, yes. That's 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 the one good thing about about last year too. For a lot of the offensive linemen at USC, is is their all their offensive linemen now are being trained for for every position. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. He, he didn't play. He didn't play. He, you know, he didn't play a lot on on the right side. I, I will I will add that. But you know, he 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 did play. I think there were a couple of games his first year where he did. He actually. Actually, maybe most of his games he played at right tackle, to be honest with you. All right, final question, and I'll, I'll go back to Pittman very quickly. Uh, you yeah. talked about where you see Austin going. Well, you've seen a lot of good receivers and players come out of USC over the years. You see Pittman as, as a straight-up number second-round pick. You see him maybe top of the third round. Well, where, where do you think he should land based on value? I, I, my personal opinion was I thought he would be a second-round pick. Fair enough. Scott? Yeah. Awesome stuff, my friend. Stay yeah, safe out there. Be good. Us. And we appreciate you taking some time out today to talk to us. All right? We'll talk to you down hey, the road. Pre- yep. Appreciate it. Be well, guys. You too. Thank stay you, Scott. healthy. You as well. That's Scott Schrader, Trojan Insider. Their head analyst covers USC football. Good stuff there, Jeff. Any reaction to our uh, to uh, to that guest right there in terms well, of what do you say about um I like what Jackson you brought up, the fact that, you know, we are looking at some of these tackles um, in the second round. And I think that this is a guy, Austin Jackson, I mean, looking at some of the draft boards, this is a guy that's a late first rounder, you know, m- below, you know, this could be a guy. This could be one of those prospects that's, that's sitting there for the Giants um, in the second round. So who knows? Yeah, but see, Jeff, this is what brings us back to what we were talking before, how, you know, you pick a guy in the second round, you know, this guy that's seen him for three years came straight out and said, I don't think he's ready to play right away. Okay. Then you know what? That and that's that's what that that's that's why you have to do your due diligence with people around that have seen guys grow up like this. You know, so um I, I listen, I think that there'll be there'll be better choices if if we were gonna say to ourselves, we're gonna draft an off we're gonna draft an offensive line in the second round, John. 
Um, I think we would have better choices than Austin Jackson, but he certainly is a guy that you've got to consider. Oh, no, no, no question about it. All right, Jeff, you want to do a couple more questions? Yeah, let's go. All right, and then we're going to play. Did what you else are we doing? And then we're going to play Did You Play With Jeff Eagles, too. Oh, okay. So okay. stay tuned for that. You, you are, got me. You, you are three and three, by the way. Okay. Two and one, then one and two. Three Not and three. Bad. Even. Okay, All here right. we go. Bill Shannon at EDNJack53. This off Twitter again. John, the Giants have a number of obvious needs. If they stay at four and 36, what combo of players expected to be available would maximize the Giants' opportunity? i.e. a Jedrick Wills and Ruiz, or maybe a Simmons and a Gross Matos, or maybe like a Brown and a Bawn, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if I was to give you right now, Jeff, okay. your dream picks at 4 and 36, what would they be? And they have to be realistic. Oh, boy. Um, all right, well, you know, you know where I'm going at number 4. And that's fine. You want to go back then? Um, I would like to go back then. Yes. Okay. I, and for the reasons that I've said before, I just feel like you just cannot go wrong with this guy. Okay. So, so now we're at four. I've got my offensive tackle. Um, now I'm going to on, because I told you earlier, I'm going on my highest ranked players, mm -hmm. right? Um, I am hoping at 36 that there will be a center. Okay. Um, and I don't know, or if there is, you know, you 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 mentioned Matos, okay? Gross is it Gross Matos? Is that his yeah. name? Yeter Gross Matos. Matos. I, okay. I think it's Matos. I'm intrigued by this this young man. Um, to be honest with you, and I'll tell you why for for a couple reasons. I I don't know if he's going to be that. I think he's a late first rounder, and this would be the second round pick. Okay, maybe. Um, his coach is here. Sean Spencer is the you know coach chaos mm -hmm. is here. Um, that's intriguing to me to maybe because to get a little edge rusher, okay. Um, but if you call me out on the carpet, John, at number four I'm going offensive line and number in the thirty six pick. Uh, this is a hard. This is hard for me. It's it really, really hard. Um, I just don't know what I'm. I, I got to go with whoever's the best player there. If it's a receiver, I'm taking them. If it's a lineman, I'm taking him. No, but you, you you said center's a real big need. So I think yeah. you're I think I think if you have I'm going Becton, the first two picks. I think are if you're looking Beckton and Caesar Ruiz, I think that'd be a nice combo for you. I would you. take Caesar Ruiz. He's the number one center, right? Yes. So I would take him if he's still there. All right. I would go Boy, see this kills me. See, here's the thing. I can't realistically give myself an offensive tackle that I I don't think Josh Jones is gonna be there at thirty six. So if I could give myself Isaiah Simmons and Josh Jones, I'd be thrilled. And I'd be like, All right, let's go. Let's do this. I'm ready. Because I think you could plug Josh Jones in. He could start a right tackle in year one. You'll be fine. Um, not as good as the other guys, but I think you'd be fine. But I don't think he's going to be there at 36. So, all right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give myself Jedrick Wills at number four. He's my top offensive lineman. I like him a lot. From Alabama. Yep. And I think, look, if it ends up being Beckton, I'm fine with that too. Whatever. Okay. But it's That's a tackle. Cool. Yeah, and I think Beckton has passed Andrew Thomas as my second guy. Okay. Because of the upside. Okay. Now, at 36 is where it gets tricky, to your point. Mm -hmm. I think because his testing was so poor, Jeff, there's an outside chance that A.J. Epinesa drops to the Giants at 36. If that happens, I will gobble him up, and I will <laughs> run to the podium. Now, I, I, I'm not confident about that. So if I push that pipe dream to the side for a moment, and I look at the guys that I think realistically could be there. I don't think Patrick Murray's going to be there. I don't, th I don't think Kenneth Murray's going to be there. I don't think Patrick Queen's going to be there. 
I would consider Zach Bond. I was going to say, do you think Zach Bond would be there? I think that's borderline. I think he's right there. I think he would be a combination pass rush coverage guy, but he's got. But I think he'd be more of a pass rusher early in his career. Then you can kind of expand his role as you let him play off ball a little bit more. Let me ask you this: There will be a wide. If Christian, okay. if, by the way, and okay. I, I and I, I don't want to double up at corner because they just signed Bradbury. But if Christian Fulton's sitting there at thirty six, I got to think about that too. What if Justin Jefferson is sitting there at thirty six? Uh, boy, that's a good one. See, I like him. I do too, but I feel like he's too similarly sized to the other wide receivers already on the roster. Like, I think he's very similar to Sterling Shepard in terms of what the guys can do. Would you take him or Bond? <laughs> he's a hard question, by the way. I'd probably take Bond. Yeah. But here's the thing. Yeah. Yes, I'd probably take Bond. If I'm taking, if I'm choosing between T. Higgins and Zach Bond, I'm probably taking T. Higgins. Okay, so because you see he's, Higgins because he's being because a little more because of an upside. A, well, he's, he's a bigger guy. Okay, I, I think Jefferson. I think Jefferson and, ba- and Higgins are both very good players. Yep. I think Jefferson might actually be even maybe even be a little bit of a better player, but he does the exact same thing that Sterling Shepard does and, and and Golden Tate does. So I think Higgins gives you that six four outside big wide receiver that they need. Ooh, you know well, what I, got I mean? A question for you. Okay, got, what do you got? Okay, okay. So now let's just say that there was a run on those receivers. Yeah, uh, and it, for some reason they just all left you. By the way, I, I by the way, I might take Denzel Mims ahead of both those guys. Just okay, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, I wouldn't. I, but here's one for you. And by the way, I have not made my wide receiver list yet, so I'm kind of going off the top of my head. Well, how about this? How about would all of a sudden, if you're sitting there and Michael Pittman is there? Are you, would you take a guy like that that I think, high? I think it's a little early for him. Okay, that that was all. I, I was I was thinking that you would probably say that, but I was just curious because I know you like Michael Pittman. No, I do. I, I like Pittman. I don't like T. Higgins. To be honest with you, I, I think. Well, I would I take Higgins before much, Pittman. Yeah, I think I would too. Bigger program. I think that he's you know he's got more of a pro upside to him. His testing was very poor, but it, you know ah, it's okay. I, I love I, to watch watch him. Well, play. here's the thing. I went into his tape yesterday thinking I'm going to be disappointed because a lot of times I have trouble signing on. To these big wide receivers that have trouble separating, because you know I just think I, I worry about that trans, you know, transferring yeah. to the NFL. But I saw enough from him in terms of his separation and ability to adjust to the ball in the air. Like T. Higgins is a is a back shoulder god. Like there is he is so good at twisting his body around to catch back shoulder passes. He's just great at it, and I think that's. That's a pretty difficult thing to do. But, yeah, but I think I think Bond would be a guy that I would look at there as a guy that can play off ball. Yeah, but this, would you – and I asked this to Dettino last week. Would you consider if no safety is off the board yet and you could pick either McKinney or Delpit, would you consider a safety there at, 30, at, th- at 36? Hmm. McKinney's not going to be there. I don't think he'll be there. Um was the other gun? Chin? Um, well, no, I, I, Grant Delpit or, or Jeremy Chin or, or Duggar, if you like those guys more. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would, yeah, I would take a safety. I would take a safety there. I mean, I, I know, I, yeah, I would. I would. Again, I don't care who it is. I, I have to have trust in the way that I have analyzed and, and ranked these players to know that these are, that's the way I'm going. So if there's a safety that's, that's number 36, and it's coming up. I'm drafting him. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I guess I would go Wills and then Epinesa, though. I'm not sure he's going to be there at 36, but I'll I'll throw the name. And I'm not sure Ruiz will be there at 36 either, by the way, because he's probably the, the best interior offensive lineman, guards included, that's out Is there. Is Epinesa so. an edge or a D-line guy? He's, he's a big edge. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I got you. He's he more can play inside. He's and, more of a 4-3 okay. defensive end. He's not really a stand-up guy. Okay. So I think he might play your 3-4 DN spot in base. But then when you go out to, to, to nickel, I think he'd be a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. Boy, you know, he just fits that Patriots profile, man. He's that power outside rusher that can do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. He just fits that profile so well. All right, fi- final question from the fans. I want to get this one in before we get to did you play with Jeff Fiegels. Okay. Um, Jay Latz, John, if the Giants miss on Simmons in the first round, who would be a good mid-round selection to fill a hybrid safety linebacker role? And I think that's the trick, Jeff, and that's why Simmons is so valuable. There just aren't a lot of players like that out there. Um, I think you mentioned one of them a second ago. I think Jeremy Chin is somebody that can play that type of role. Kyle Duggar is someone that can play that type of role. Then you have Kayvon Wallace, his teammate at Clemson, who's more of a slot safety hybrid. But that's another kind of multifaceted guy that I'd throw out there for that. What about Murray from Oklahoma? Is he is he a guy that could do that, or is he basically... You know, it's funny. I watched the two top linebackers after Simmons last week. I watched Queen and Murray, and they did not ask Murray to cover a lot. He okay. was more of a run-and-hit linebacker type. I like Patrick Queen in coverage a lot more than I like Murray in coverage. So a two-down and a three-down player. I think Murray has the... I mean, look, he's an athletic freak. I think he can be taught to to, to play three downs, but I think right now... Given what he's done in college, he has not really shown that big-time coverage ability yet, which is why I like Queen more than Murray. I I would agree with you. I think he has more of an athletic upside to him. Yes, I agree. And so to go with the question, if you missed out on Simmons, this would be looking for your next athletic linebacker. It would probably be Queen. Yeah, and I think Murray, too. And Queen and Murray, too, by the way, is just such a great leader. Like, his story and what he's done is just unbelievable. Sure. If you look into what he's done and his leadership and stuff like that. So, anyway. And, right. you know, we got it. We, we did an LSU, um, and they had very high on Patrick Queen. Hey, so, he's excellent. Yeah. Excellent so. player. All right, you ready to do – did you play with Jeff All right, Eagles? here we go. I got my thinking cap on. All right, three teams, thousands of players. Who does Jeff Eagles remember? Because his memory stinks. All right, here I, we go. I do remember, though, that I played on five teams, not three. There you go. Oh, what, I, I, said, I said three teams? Yeah. Oh, my, my So my memory is good. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry to interrupt the that, in, no, introduction that's there. That's okay. <laughs> I got it wrong. I've always feel free to point that. All right. Did you play with Keith McCants? Did you oh, play with yes. Keith McCants? Yep, I sure did. I played with Keith McCants. He was with the New England Patriots. And he was a linebacker, defensive edge rusher, whatever you are. You are incorrect, sir. He what? was a defensive end, and he played with you at Arizona with the Cardinals. Oh, that's right. <laughs> he was at Arizona. Strike one. Damn. That's a win for Schmelke. And you were so cocky about it, I know, because he's a touch, he was such a good he's good dude, man. Oh, was I he mean, a good dude? Yes, and I just, how did I miss the team? Yeah, he only played with you for a season and a half, too. Yeah, but he was a good dude. I, uh, awesome guy. Yes. How did I miss that? Yeah, I don't know. Three and four now since we've gone to oh, isolation. Goodness. All right, here we go. Did you play with Tyson Smith? Did you play with Tyson Smith? Oh, you have no idea. I got you. Yeah, because I don't think he's a football player. John? 
You are incorrect, sir. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Tyson Smith, by the way, born in Des Moines, Iowa, which I just noticed. He was a linebacker that played with you for the New York Football Giants in 2006. Oh, he did it. Yes, he did. He played. What was, the, what was the born in Iowa reference? Did it have to do with anything there? My wife was born in Des Moines. Oh, well, okay. That's well, it. there you go. That's it. I was just wondering where the Des Moines, Iowa thing came from. No, that's from. it. Um, but yeah, Tyson he played three Smith? games for you, for the Giants. Do you Giants. remember him? No, not at all. Of course, well, you, th- th- that, that was you the, came in 07. That was the year before I started working okay. for the team. So. And I wouldn't expect you to, to remember him then. And no. I guess me either. <laughs> hey, he made four tackles for the Giants in 2006 and played in three games. Oh, boy. What a great production. The, the, the only year of his career, by the way. All right, Jeff is down to three and five. Did you play with Ben Smith? Did you play with Ben Smith? What am I, three and five? Yes. I will now be four and six. What do you mean? (laughs) This is going to count for two? Yeah, I'm going to count for two. two? Uh, Just because I'm going to get all of it right. Three for, okay, yes, I did play with Ben Smith, Eagles. I think he was a defensive back, maybe? Oh, actually, you know what? I didn't notice it. This is actually, you know what? You played with Ben Smith on two different teams. Cardinals too, right? Yes. Yeah. And I didn't, you know what? I just looked at the Cardinals. I did not, <laughs> you know what? That was, I, I would, if I saw Give me that one he, and a half points If there. I saw <laughs> that he played with you for the Eagles, because he played a lot of games for them, I would not have given you this name. I only looked at his time with the Cardinals, but oh. yes, you are correct. <laughs> so now you are now four and five. There we go. Four ben and five Smith and a half. You gave me one and a half there. Two years with you. No, you're four and five. Ben Smith played two years with you in Arizona, played yep. two games in each year, but he was a three-year starter in Philly from 90 to 93. Yep, good guy. So, and he was a defensive back. So ding, mm-hmm. ding, 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 ding. Yep. You are correct. Special teams guy, too. Jeff, yeah. fun show, my friend. Good stuff. We covered a lot of stuff. And once again, everybody stay healthy. Thanks for giving us the Twitter questions. And again, like John, you want to mention how to get, if you can't do it on Twitter, you do that other thing. You yes. Know, Big Blue Kickoff do that. Live. Do that other thing as, <laughs> as it's very specific. Excellent promotion by Jeff. But I said at the start of the show, I'll say it again. Go to Giants.com slash podcasts slash BBK questions. All one word. Giants.com slash podcasts slash BBK questions. Stay safe, everybody. Follow the rules, and we'll all get through this together. The draft is now only two and a half weeks away. Thank God. It's coming fast and furious. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.